0: Sangram here. Welcome to another takeover series for the Flip My Funnel podcast. I'm here with a very good friend of mine. Over the last year, I think we have connected on so many different levels. A part of the Peak Community, part of the Flip My Funnel, and I've also been using their services for a lot of the things that I produce in terms of video. So Amber, Amber Khan, she's the founder of Repurpose Den. She's an international best-selling author, and she also this would get you. She's also an average runner. I think you're better than me, Amber. But Amber, thank you for, for joining me uh, and doing this series.
1: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: All right. So Amber, tell me and tell the audience, what is the name of your series and what is this series all about?
1: All right. Well, this particular series is called Impactful Living. And the reason being, this is a series where we feature purpose-led leaders who are making a meaningful impact through their work and touching and changing lives of many.
0: I love that. I love that. You know, what's interesting about it is that we have a lot of episodes on marketing, and I think this is going to give people a necessary break because ultimately, whatever you do, you got to have impact. So share a few people that you are going to interview and the topics that you're going to interview on uh, in the series. Yeah, sure.
1: So just one of them uh, is, is Claude Silver, who talks about building a culture of empathy. Then I have Mary Henderson. She is based in Australia and she talks about how to commercialize your expertise into a profitable business, which a lot of us, you know, uh, struggle with, especially those who are pivoting from, say, a corporate career and now looking into starting their own business. And then I am. I'm, I'm going to have uh, Daniel Priestley, who is the author of multiple books. One of them being Key Person of Influence: The Entrepreneurship Revolution. And with him, we're going to talk about some awesome. stuff. he's just published yesterday a new book called um, How to Raise Entrepreneurial Kids, and and we're going to talk a lot about that.
0: Wow! Like I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, almost every one of this sounds like a story. Worth going through. Uh, one of the things, and this is where we're going to end because this is going to be an introduction. So, folks, as you're listening to this, you may be listening to the first interview that Amber did, maybe the last one. There's a whole series of about 10 or so that we're going to have in for you, and we'll play every Tuesday and Thursday in the series. So, if, if, and it will tell you is this is the one, the first episode, or is this the eighth episode? So you can go figure out if you need to go back and watch. Some of or listen to some of these videos, interviews. But what's interesting, Amber, about all of this is there's a question that uh, Angie Stanley, someone that I follow, says in his book, Better Decision, Fewer Regrets. Mm. And he asked this very question that, what story are you going to tell? And that is a very interesting question when you start going back in life, because each one of us has a story that we want to tell. And there is a story that people are writing right now that they don't know. And and I think people need to recognize that. So I love the fact that you're creating this impactful living series that's going to help people to recognize and come out of their shell maybe mm-hmm. a little bit and recognize that they have a story to tell. They're going to tell that story to their kids, their grandkids, or, or their neighbor or somebody. And hopefully the interviews that you're going to do is going to have them thinking about this and actually start writing their own story the way they want to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's the idea with all each one of those interviews is that I want people to go with at least one takeaway that they can implement right in their life just by listening to, you know, the guest stories or the challenges that they share during those interviews. And if we can just make a difference in one person's life, I know it would be all worth it.
0: I love it. And again, this is what I love about this, this takeover series, you get such a different perspective. And Amber, you also bring in a global perspective because you have people from all over the world who are interviewing in the series. So Amber, again, thank you so much for doing it. All the information to connect to Amber, her company, her book, uh, and all the things that she does is going to be in the show notes. So check that out. And Amber, let's take it away. Awesome.
1: to use data to improve customer experience. That's the topic of the hour. Hello, good day, greetings, ciao, namaste, and salams to peeps from all around the world. Welcome to the show. Now, today's guest believes that there is an art to using data to help understand the world, and it's the art of interpretation, translation, and storytelling that delivers the often hard-hitting answers required in order to take some sort of action. He's the founder of SignAzure, a top 100 influential leaders recognized by Data IQ, and he's the host of Hub & Spoken podcasts. So will you please put your virtual hands together to welcome my fantabulous guest, Jason Foster. Hey, Jason.
2: Hey, Hey, Amber. How are you? Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm pretty good, thanks. Pretty good. Just uh, plugging away at home. (laughs)
1: Plugging her head home, yes. <laughs> now, before we get into the chips and gravy of this conversation, we're going to start off the show with a quick fire round. Now, remember, these are just fun questions not to be taken seriously. So are you ready, Jason? Yep, I'm ready for this. All right, let's go. Number one, which store would you max out your credit card if you absolutely had to?
2: uh Probably, I'm a bit of an Apple fanboy, so probably the Apple Store.
1: Yeah, <laughs> me too. Okay, if you were this is this is probably uh you know more for the kids. If you were a potato, what way would you like to be cooked? Um, I'd probably be mashed. You heard be mashed. You know, yeah. my, my six-year-old asked me to add that question, so <laughs> okay. and her answer was mashed as well.
2: Well, you can tell her I'm mashed potato. There we go. <laughs>
1: All right. If you could take three things to a desert island, what would they be?
2: Um, probably my my wife, my kids. Which arguably that's three already because I've got two kids. <laughs> but I'll uh, cheat, and my kids could be one. i uh, probably also take my my Kindle.
1: Kindle. Okay. I'm I'm surprised you didn't say an Apple device.
2: Yeah. Well. I, I yeah. Maybe I got <laughs> bored of it because I spent all the money in there. I don't know. <laughs>
1: All right. Which of Snow White's Seven Dwarfs describe you best? Bashful, dark, dopey, grumpy, happy, sleepy, or sneezy?
2: Happy. Happy. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you gave me them, though. I wouldn't have known the Seven Dwarfs.
1: (laughs) I'm sure your wife knows.
2: (laughs) She does. She does.
1: If you could have any superhuman power, what would it be?
2: Um... What uh, I'm going to cheat again. I'm going to have two. Uh, one for everyone else. I'll probably be healing. And then one for me, strength. Why not? Oh,
1: of course. <laughs> All right, Jason, that's it. We did it. And Amazing. I mean, that deserves a wiggle and a dance. And since you have two young kids, I think you may be familiar with this song. We did it. We did it. We did it. Yay. Woo. All right! We did it. We did it, Jason. That was, by no, the way. No
2: that, idea
1: what that is. That was from Dora the Explorer. Okay. <laughs> Again, a kid's it. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, Jason. Very good. Um, let's get into the chips and gravy of this conversation. Could you yeah. imagine um, that if I'm holding a pair of gloves in my hand and if I was to virtually hand them over to you through this screen, could you smash for me and not my face, please, but some kind of data myth, a bogus strategy, or a misconception and set the record straight once and for all?
2: Um, biggest data myth. Um, probably that uh, data data strategy um, is the biggest myth is that data strategy is about data. So... Um, and, and particularly through the lens of customer experience, but where you're applying data anywhere, actually yeah. what data is about is uh, solving business challenges, solving business problems, um, you, know, you know, going after some new big opportunities that an organization has. That's what it's about. Data is the tool that helps you do it. But, but yeah, the biggest myth is that you focus all on the data.
1: Right. Okay. We are obviously going to deep deep dive more into (laughs) what do you mean by that? But a quick side note here, we are streaming to LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube simultaneously. If for some reason uh, your LinkedIn stream plays up, which it can often do, you can continue over on a YouTube channel, which I'll quickly just display over here, bit.ly forward slash spreading ideas with Amber Khan. And we've already got a message. Hi, Kaleem. Kaleem is awesome he's a super marketer um, thanks for joining us Kaleem all right now let's get back into this Snapchat, chat Jason before we go um, any further could you share with the viewers and listeners why do you do what you do
2: um, it's a good question i um i suppose there's two parts to that i i, I run a i run an organization i run Sinishor um i founded that uh, nearly 5 years ago um, and what a rush it is to, to run and launch and scale, um, a, a business, um, a bootstrap business, so no investment, um, single founder, uh, you know, who would do that? I don't know, but I have, and, and I do that cause it, it's, it's so much fun. Um, it, it energizes me. It keeps me motivated, happy, um, and, and helps to sort of, um, do some better things in the world than I could do previously as an sort of employed in organizations. Mm. Um, but I I guess in terms of what we do then as a business, we do that. Um, um we help organizations to get better at using their data. I'll summarise it as that for now. Mm. Um and and we do that because there there's sort of two tracks that data can take in the world. There's this dystopian, um, negative um track, which we're seeing a little bit of actually in you know, in, in geopolitical circles and the wider world with, with, yes. with election with elections and yeah. Uh, weaponizing Facebook and all this sort of stuff. Um, yeah. And there's a really positive side, which is using data for great things to improve the world, to um, mm. create a positive future, a utopian future, I guess. Um, right. And that's why we do it. We do it to try and you know go go right rather than rather than left as it as it's going at the moment. So, so that's why we do what we do. That's why I do what I do. I love it.
1: Awesome. So uh, I guess that leads me to the next question: that why is it so important now? Like say 2021 and in- beyond what what, what's the big fuss about data now
2: well data has always always been there um Mm -hmm. the importance of data has always been there the recognition and understanding of it hasn't Um, Mm -hmm. and over the last maybe five years that has started to improve it's started to get better people understand it some of the buzzwords in the industry have helped with that like big data and artificial intelligence sort of help raise up the psyche i think 2021 going forward um 2020 has had a big part to play in, in the acceleration that we're going to see in, in people and organizations getting their head around what it is that they need to do with data. Um, like, you know, 2020 accelerated digital and, and moved it sort of 10 years forward. Uh, the, same, the same has happened, and it's complementary with that. The same has happened in data. People have woken up to the fact they need their hands at the wheels of their businesses. They need to understand what's going on a bit more. They need to be able to adjust and pivot their organization. They need to be able to react quickly to, to outside events. They need to understand what their customers are doing, what's happening in the supply chain, what's happening with their products, their services. And people get that they need to have a better picture of that. If they have a better picture of that, they can make much better decisions about what they do going forward. Um, so if, if people haven't got that sorted yet, then now's the time to get it sorted, um, if not to, to trade themselves out of the current sort of uh, potentially negative pandemic or, or situation the pandemic has created um mm-hmm. be prepared for some some kind of side swipe that comes down the line uh, next time um but also be you know be really positive and, and proactive in in helping the company grow which is what what data can do
1: and and could small businesses utilize it uh to the same extent as maybe the enterprise level companies do is it just yeah. as a-
2: no in 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 some respects smaller smaller organizations that are trying to grow mm. um in, in some respects they they're in a really strong position to set themselves up um at the start as being an organization that is data and digital first um mm. mm. a lot of some of bigger companies are kind of trying to retrofit retrofit themselves trying to become data guided with with the way they operate become digital with the way they operate um mm but smaller organizations can get in front of this. And and what data allows smaller companies to do is is focus really hard on the right things to do. And as a small company um, uh, with limited funds, trying to grow, you you need data to understand, should we go after something? Yes, use your your intuition, but you need Mm. to really understand whether something's working or not. You need to test whether something's working and then push harder. And you can't do that without data. So absolutely vital for all size and, and types of organizations as well, not just commercial, but you know, yeah. public sector, third sector, and that sort of thing. So super, super important, very paramount.
1: So uh, I guess, what are some outdated ideas or methods you have come across as they relate to customer experience?
2: Um, well, there's certainly um, not blending digital and physical customer experience well enough. Um, and interestingly, when you think outdated, you might think, you know, a long time ago, but but actually – um, you know, th- this is a quite a new paradigm, um, it's a number of years still, but you know, this idea that, that people aren't interacting with an organization or a service or a product in a, in a way, you know, in, in the same way anymore. Um, yeah. some services are pure digital. Some services are a mix of physical and digital. Some start in digital and end up physical. Like if you order something through Amazon and you know, something gets delivered and you have a product at the end of it, some stuff stays digital, like Spotify, mm-hmm. but then they wrap their services around, um, uh with you know in pre pandemic and I suppose after as well with events and and immersive experiences, so I think one of the biggest the biggest things and the changes here is is that this kind of like this need to blend digital physical and and use data to help understand how people interact in different ways across those different set of channels
1: all right so i I guess in your opinion, where should brands begin when creating a strategy to improve customer experience
2: um well, the, the, the need to improve customer experience is all about driving the uh, I suppose, acquisition, then the retention, uh, and then the delight and the delighting of the customer. Um, so that experience needs to be good. So understanding what kind of experience you're trying to create, um, understanding the type of customer that you have and all the type of customer that you would like and making sure that the experience reflects that customer. So under, understanding your customer or know your customer, some uh, industries call it um, knowing your customer is an absolutely first mm-hmm. um, requirement to creating a really decent experience. Um, and then you can, you can align your your experience to, to the kind of audience that you have and the way they interact with you. Um, and that's both from a qualitative point of view, you know, talking, interacting, asking customers, but also a quantitative perspective in terms of watching what they do and watching how they interact. And, and pivoting and adjusting the customer experience. What's yeah. really relevant now is making it really uh, personalized and targeted in the way that that people interact with you. And it's not just kind of one size fits all, regardless of your you know size, shape, background, mm-hmm. um, uh, previous purchase history, whatever you know in, uh, data points you use. Um, so yeah, that's where I'd start. Understand your customer.
1: Awesome, awesome. I know, I know Kaleem here. Uh, he's really passionate about uh, talk about talking about uh, customer acquisition and retention. So I'm sure he's going to enjoy this conversation. Um, uh, what types of data do you believe brands put too much emphasis on when it comes to customer experience, and what data should they really be watching in order to gain insight on customer experience? I yeah, a lot of. of
2: sorry, go on. I'm gonna say again.
1: I know you shared some of it, like you have to know your customer, but uh, mm. you know beyond that.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think um, over the last sort of five ten years, a lot of the effort and investment has been on uh, sort of digital marketing, um, and you use sort of digital marketing as a way to attract customers and, and and get them to land on your your site and then interact with you. Um, and a lot of the time, that's used, using what the industry calls third party data and mm-hmm. that sort of other people's data to um, help understand who this person might be that's sort of browsing or, or that's sort of sorry searching and, and, and clicking on adverts and that sort of thing and, and get people to come to your site or using, you know, the, the, the data that Facebook has to help target advertising. I actually think the biggest trick that often a lot of brands miss is that their own data that they have about the experience that their customers have interacting with them directly Is at least as important, if not more important, Mm -hmm. and the combination of those things is Mm. is um, is really relevant. So, so you know, that's things like you know um, the kind of customers that land on the site, where they came from, what the journey they take through the website um, when they when they get there, um, where they drop off on certain pages, where they drop off through the checkout process. If you're you know it's selling, if it's a selling site, um, what pages people look at, how long they hang around for. All of that information is your own data about your customer, what they bought previously. you know. If you're a retailer, what they returned, what, what sizes do they return? Do they order multiple times and, and return a lot? You know, All this information is building a rich picture about an individual and using that information to help um, adjust the experience that they have interacting with you is really, is really important, not just the sort of third-party data that, that talks more generally about the market at, at large. And bringing those two things together is then really powerful because you, you continually be able to get the full sort of rich picture. Um, and then those brands that are both on, um, on and offline, um, using the information that you have about um, online experience and, and information you've collected online to drive the offline experiences um, is going to be, is going to be important as well. And actually um, Amazon are launching a, um, another new store. Um, uh, it's not just sort of walk out, it, it scans your, your, your products as you put them in the basket but on their label and they, they've done this in the bookstores as well is it tells you what the online reviews have been mm. uh, li- live real time on the, on the, on the, on the ticket next to the product. So that's sort of blending that experience using data that they already have. They're already collecting in interesting ways.
1: Yeah. I'd love to know, actually, I don't know um, if you've worked with uh, anybody in the restaurant industri- industry because they are pretty hard hit there um, yeah, uh, yeah. COVID. And now as they're going online, how could they take that experience? because their customer experience has always been well majority of the times has been offline, and yeah. now they've got to figure out to take it online and blend it all in um, well
2: this is the amazing thing about at the moment mm-hmm. you know there's industries that have not been used to being digital um, mm-hmm. restaurants as you say is is one, and, and obviously that's a, that's a blending of experience of digital and, and physical um, but you know they they, they essentially have more data at their hands um or sort of more data points they may have less data they might they're, they're, a lot of them are finding less customers um mm-hmm. but but what they're getting is a bit of a bit of better picture um and it's bit they've had this before but it's quite fragmented through mm-hmm. um agencies that do online booking restaurant bookings for you and and, and those kind of things but you know mm-hmm. menus moving online ordering moving online delivery mm-hmm. being tracked online means that there's a there's a real um a sort of rich source of data that organizations like restaurants can finally have about their customers. Yeah. Um, they've been trying for a long time, restaurants, you know, loyalty programs and, and repeat purchase uh, prizes and that sort of stuff is, is a good way of um, getting to know your customer a bit more, helping you to manage the supply chain of, of um, the products that you need, forecast how many you know steaks you're going to need for an evening or the a, a, a sea bass. Um mm. that, the data that you've got about your throughput of your customers, the covers that you have, the prices that you charge, the time of day people order, all that stuff can can really help. And there's mm. lo- there's loads of industries. I you know, my, my wife's a teacher and and mm. seeing the move um from very I mean she's a primary school teacher um and she's just basically moved online, um mm. remote become a remote learning um specialist, mm. uh, and is having to do everything online. And what and what's that what that does is they can see how long people spend on activities. The, the, the management team at her school can see how how uh, watch the, the lessons more regularly, you can give more productive and proactive feedback. You know, yeah. All of a sudden, it's opened up this world that an industry that really hasn't been used to. Um, yeah. And actually, what that helps bring it to customer experience is helps to it should help improve the customer promise and customer experience, which is the you know essentially the teachers, the uh, teachers, the the students, and the parents. You know, the experience yeah. they have with with how they interact with the school.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely, I think education. I think education, just like the uh, restaurant industry, has been a long time coming. That um, they've had. Uh, I guess you know they had the means to, and they they also knew what could, what how could they better use data, but it was never yeah. u- utilized before. And now everybody's forced to, yeah. uh, forced to go yeah. online and utilize well- that.
2: Well, the down da- the downside actually is they're they're well. There's a. I was going to talk about the exams, so I'm slightly off topic, I suppose now. But they they aren't doing most school, most year groups aren't doing the exams they're going to do, so yeah. they won't. They'll be missing a whole bunch of data, which would be people's exam results. But what they're having mm-hmm. to do is rely on teacher assessment to provide mm-hmm. the results for kids, which should, in theory, be using a whole bunch of data about progress and attainment and achievement and how mm-hmm. well people did. And I'm really hoping that the sector. Um, wraps their arms around that and and does a good job because we saw what happened at the A-levels and college results last year where, you know, the algorithm made a a dumb call basically and and we forgot to put the the guardrails in by the looks of it,
1: which is where data can go a bit funny. Yeah, my my son actually he was uh, supposed to sit eight um, levels last year, so he was right. the first first one to basically face this. Well, right. no exams, so they were kind of happy about that, no exams. Yep. But of course, it was all unpredictable, right? What's going to happen uh, to our grades? And there was a whole long process for majority of the kids. I saw when the results came out, then there was. The half of them were not happy. Then there's a whole appeal process and the school didn't know. Like they yeah. they themselves didn't know what the guidelines were because it was all very last minute. Yeah. Um, uh, so, it, you know, yeah. a bit haphazard, but I'm hoping this year we'll do a better job.
2: Let's hope so, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> all right. Um, what kind of barriers should brands expect to face in making a meaningful improvement in its customer experience?
2: Um. I. I guess there's um there's much opportunity as something like technology gives and i suppose the ease at which technology can be procured and implemented actually um it becomes with a with a whole bunch of of complexity um if it's not sort of considered right so i think technology whilst becomes a big opportunity also also means that there's a there's a different type of, of uh, experience different type of capability internally in an organization that's needed in order to improve sort of customer experience um i think again in, in the, the moment we're in right now the we're not in a predictable period and the last year you know from maybe february march um the the the, the behavior of customers the behavior of consumers the behaviors of citizens is like no other so there's no there's no real history to compare to. So when we're trying to design what customer experience should look like, can you base mm. it on what we've just had in the last year? Or mm. do you base it on normal the year before? Or is there something new that's coming that, mm. that's some kind of combination of where we are now? So, so I think there's like a bit of a challenge to to think about um, what what should the experience be? How will customers interact with us? And mm-hmm. being re- basically being ready, right, being ready to, to be able to change that experience if it, if it's needed. And, you know, if you think about um, maybe the retail, the supermarket, sorry, the grocers, I mean, they've reacted phenomenally in terms of changing their customer experience, mm-hmm. moving, you know, way more to click and collect, uh, mm-hmm. throttling people to their site, switching their app on and off, you know, mm-hmm. prioritizing certain customers, uh, different queuing systems outside the door, different distancing of the tills inside the store. You know that hmm. all of this stuff is changing the customer experience and changing it so quickly. You know, some us, I've got a very good friend of mine who's a very senior at one of the the major uh, grocers, and 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 he was saying stuff that would take four or five months to decide through sort of committees and and research. They were hmm. deciding in a they were deciding in a meet in an hour meeting, um, half an hour a phone call even, you know, just to make this change, and they will roll that out across all the stores in the UK wow. uh, the next day. And and you know, so so the 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 customer experience has to change the organization has to change this is the barrier right the organization has to be able to uh, adapt and, and adjust themselves quick enough to be able to adapt and adjust to the way the customer is needs to interact so so i think the 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 um the barrier is sort of the level of agility and adaptability you need in your business to be able to to change your customer experience um yeah. And um, and yeah, and as I say, sort of back on sort of the data side, the, 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 having the customer insight, you know, lots of people don't have that customer insight that they need, not not at a, uh, a sort of granular level that helps them to better understand what's working and what isn't, and, and therefore making, you know, not making good informed decisions. They're making, you know, hopeful, optimistic, you know, maybe good intuition and good judgment, but uh, not not sort of baked in some science that really helps them to, to know they've got it right or indeed change if it wasn't right.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, another industry I I, um, I can think of which can do bet- better with data is the airline industry because I don't know if you've seen, um, you know, I'm on the, the email list of few of the airlines and the emails that I'm currently seeing from them because, as you know, we can't travel mm-hmm. at the moment. Yeah. So sending an email which just says, hey, you know, book your holiday for June this year when we yeah. don't even know what's going to happen, it's a yeah. bit silly rather than if they would have checked my history of where ha- have I travelled um, and maybe shown me something accordingly, maybe uh, something new that's happening in, in the last country I visit or something like that. I yeah. don't know. There could have been a better utilisation of that data, in my opinion.
2: Um, yeah. yeah, but, yeah. I, the, Yes, I couldn't agree more with you, Amber. The... the um you know, you, you, I suppose you have to sympathize with industries that are that that badly affected, to, mm. that they're looking at any way they can to entice people to book, you know, to, you know, no fees on refunds and all this sort of thing. Mm. But but at the same time, you're right. You know, we, we, you know, lots of people are like, I can't even think about, you know, next weekend, let alone, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much uncertainty about yeah. you know, when the vaccine and all this kind of thing. That, yes, it totally makes sense to get you know, what this is about is you know, customer experience is about engaging customers, engaging yeah. prospects, engaging turning people into fans, turning people into yeah. advocates and if if out the other side of this, all you've done is try and flog tickets mm-hmm. uh, and, and flog uh, get people to book holidays um in in a time where they're they're not thinking about holidays because because yeah. who, who can who can think of that all um, the nervousness about you know losing out and not getting the refund all this kind of thing. Then you mm. might you might not right yeah if you've been educated on you know Dubai or or you know some some places near the way you've been before or, or new things that are going on there to sort of excite you about what the outcome could be which is mm. fun with your family and an amazing place yeah. uh, then that makes you want to go go on holiday and it makes you want to buy flights so yeah I agree and and uh, yes that the, yeah. that you can use data but it takes some imagination in in I suppose the marketing and the and, and brave, braveness. Being yeah. brave in your marketing—that you're not—you're not just focusing on transactions; you're focusing on sort of that interaction and and the experience stuff.
1: Yeah. So I guess uh, you know it's it's also about, as you mentioned just now, that's not just about the data itself because these airlines—they've got the resources and they have the data already. But it's it's yeah. now for them, it's more about how do you actually utilize that data. Uh, to create the best experience, and and I see it—it it seems like there's a mismatch there, or something yeah. is missing. You know,
2: you, you know, at the start when you asked me about my the biggest yeah. myth, that, that is, yeah. you, you know, that is exactly what that's about. The biggest myth about data is that it's about data. We've got mm-hmm. the data. Everyone, everyone's got the data. Small companies, yeah. big companies, you've got lots or little, but you've got data that you can use. You can, but but it's not about that. It's about understanding what you're trying to achieve, and then understanding outcomes that you're trying to get to and then understanding how you apply data to those things um, mm. you sometimes need to get data to to help you inform what what you know what you implement what products mm. you build or what services you produce but you've got to remember that the end here is is improved you know either customer experience or something else not getting your data ready and and yeah so so that's that's the important bit knowing what you know what you're going to do with it
1: yeah and i mean what what have you seen say in mid to large size organization is it is it, do you, do they usually have that um you know that capacity and team members on board or or um is it always that they may have they may have a strategy behind but they're kind of always missing the creative part of how to utilize that data
2: um, well, obviously it's a big mix. What, what's out yeah. there? Um, yeah. there's, there's definitely a bell, a bell curve. Uh, um, yeah. and at, at one end there's people that are, um, you know, got this licked, they, they, data in the DNA, um, uh, are there are data first business, any decisions that they make use data, they bring their experience, they use that thing. They won't make decisions without at least having explored and looked and understood the insight that they have that helps them make a better decision. The other end of the spectrum, there's less and less of these these days, but certainly 10, 20 years ago, there was lots, is the people that aren't using using data at all to sort of give their business firepower. There's this mm-hmm. big group in the middle that just want to get it right. They want to they get data. They want to sort it. They want to plug it into the customer experience. Um, they want to improve um, their digital assets. They want to improve their products. They want to give their customers a better time. They want it to be better for their employees, all these sorts of things. Mm. Um, and there's a real big mix about where people are. They're either very progressive with data from a sort of technology and, and get gathering their data perspective, but they haven't sort of articulated mm. or understood where they, what they want to do with it, as we were saying before. Yeah. Um, you've got some organizations that have got all the people uh, sort of hands-on perspective but don't really have the leadership required to make it happen um, and then all sorts of things in between. So it's a bit of a mix, really. Um, yeah. what, what we're seeing a lot of people trying to do, though, is get their, yeah. wrap their arms around it figure out right how do we get our ducks lined up how do we how do we mark how do we move forward with this where we can get the most value out of it possible
1: yeah so i guess what brands have you come across that you believe have done an especially noteworthy job providing first class customer experience using data and what can we learn from them
2: yeah um Well, with any with any example of good customer experience, though, uh, there's there's always a million reasons why it fell over somewhere. Um, And the date the data bit here is uh, is 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 picking up quickly. But I don't know. I think there's um, there's a great business that we that I know very well um, called Sport Pursuit. They um, they do. uh, They're an online uh, sports clothing and and outdoor um, uh, retailer they There are members they' are a members only proposition, so you you sign up to become a member of their of their um, of their club and then you get uh, you get access to all of their their shop essentially you can only get access to their shop if you're a member. Great business um, growing really fast, um, uh, accelerating quickly um and they they have created an experience and an understanding of their customer sorry they've got understanding of their customer that has allowed them to create an experience and a an operation that is so that is really slick uh that it means that you know they they're just creating fan after fan after fan, and they know within um three days of a new customer joining of what their lifetime value will be um and they know that because they've got good. Ex- Understanding of the customers that they have, with what looks good, you know, who, who ends up uh, buying, who ends up hanging around, how long people wait to purchase, how mm. often they purchase, um, and they use that information to to drive a, a really really awesome awesome experience. Mm. Um, um, another organisation I um, that's um, it's recently been called out as the um, I think they're the second or third um, uh, business in the uh, UK in the food business in the UK. Uh, to become a unicorn. So worth over a billion dollars um, is a Gusto um, and Gusto again, use data to shape all sorts of things in their business, the way they manage the supply chain, the way they route ingredients around their warehouse, the way they manage the menus. Um, so Gusto, they're a food box um, uh, company. So you order a box of four meals and it comes with all the individual ingredients you need just for those four meals. And, and they, use, they use data phenomenally to to drive the outcome being a really good customer experience to get people to want to continue purchasing from them. They're a subscription model. And then there's all the sort of, you know, organizations that people, uh, other organizations that are sort of well-known like Spotify, uh, Uber, Amazon, mm-hmm. uh, Facebook, Apple, um, Google, all use data in phenomenal ways to create an experience. And obviously, as I sort of said at the top of this piece was uh, 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 the sort of negative things. And there's lots of negative things potentially about those brands. In the way that you interact and and the way that the data is used, but, um, but mostly positive, right? People trying to do positive things with this and uh, the experience for something like Spotify, you know, you want to use it because it's good. It's, you get access, you get quickly to the kind of music that you like. And that's, you know, they're, they're essentially a data company.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now I ha- I have to ask you this because we, we briefly touched upon it with all the Facebook data scandal that happened not too long ago. Consumers are concerned about privacy. So how can yeah. technology maintain data security and improve customer experience at the same time?
2: Well, it's a it's a balance, really. So um, I, I often talk about being a value exchange. So if if um, if by providing information to a organization and you trust them to do good things with it, you get a good enough value back. So um, then it's worth, it's worthwhile. And, and it's sort of easy to maintain that balance. The experience is good because I get what I want. The privacy is great because um, I'm okay with the level of privacy that I'm giving away. Um, So, so, so it, it depends on the value exchange. And when that value exchange tips, that's when it becomes an issue. So, If um, you know, for example, you know Facebook when it was mostly about connecting with people. Mm. um, So this is certainly my view. When it was about making connections, it was about you know catching up with old friends. It was about keeping in touch with people that don't live down the road, don't speak too much anymore. Brilliant value exchange is high. I was happy to post my stuff. I was happy to share. I understood what I was what what I was getting myself into because I was getting enough back. As soon as it became for me, this is as soon as it became more about the advertising revenue. As soon as it became more about you know what can people target with me? you, you know you feel like you' you feel like you're the product or I feel yeah, like I'm the yeah. product now. Yeah. I don't find that value exchange is there anymore, so I'm not comfortable with sharing that information and I don't share that information with them anymore, and I'm uncomfortable you know that, um I'm slowly trying to convince everyone to move over to signal, because I don't want to use whatsapp anymore um, yeah. because of the because of that information it will now be shared with Facebook oh, and, it right. and it hasn't yeah. it hasn't been up to this point. So, so I think I think that balance is maintained. Firstly, when there's when there's a value exchange and there's trust between the customer of the product or service and the provider of the product or service. Um, and as soon as that's out of whack, it's it, it, it's impossible. And you know, you know, organisations spend a lot of time thinking about this. And and you know, mo- most you know ninety nine percent of organisations that we know and love are respectful of uh, privacy. They're respectful of. The regulations like GDPR, and when wanting to do good, you know, do good things there that help both meet the regulation, but also the customer experience and, and customers' privacy. Um, so, so that's a that's a good start. Um, it can be quite hard to maintain that balance. And you know, if you think about things like, um, uh, you know, opt in to marketing and the level of information you have to give, people think about what's the minimum I want. I'm going to ask for so that people want to sign up, and how can I? like how can I demonstrate the value of, of giving us the information so that they want to interact yeah. and engage with us. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's how I, would, um, how I think about that one.
1: So um, how easy or difficult it is if, if you lose that, if the customers lose confidence in you, be it because yeah. of data breach or something, what do you think how easy or difficult it is to regain that confidence?
2: Yeah. Well, um, you raise a good point And, um, you know there's some big big data breaches that have mm. gone around so so data breaches happen so sc- security and privacy is is wrapped up in the data world in kind of data management and governance mm. data governance, and they're kind of like um you know I- I- if you can get that stuff right most people don't want to talk about that stuff actually, mm. and it's not very exciting but mm. But the, where it becomes interesting and important is when you, re, you realize how big a problem you can have if you don't get that stuff right. And you know, data breaches is, is, is one of those huge examples where a lack of governance and management um, and security around your data can actually have huge brand damage to your organization, which leads to people voting with their feet and not, potentially not wanting to um, trade with you anymore. Um, or impact your share price or impact the CEO's job. You know, there's so much impact that brand damage can have. And that's Mm -hmm. really what this is about. So how do you protect, how do you protect your brand? Um, And how do you manage the risk of your brand being damaged or, you know, sending someone, a a marketing email with, with your wife's name rather than your own name or, you know, getting a mail shot with the previous people that used to live here. It's kind of like a bit annoying and you go, that's a bit rubbish, but it's not, you know, if you do that at scale, of course, it's a huge problem, but, Compare that to you know major breaches and big fines that make it into the you know front page of all the the major newspapers. You know it's mm. a big it's a big deal. It's a big deal. So it's important people think about it. Um, I mean, how do you how do you recover recover from from <laughs> that kind of brand damages? Um, I'm not the sort of I'm not a brand damage re- reputation <laughs> recovery expert, but it, but you know there is it is it's potentially crisis management right, and you, you need to put some crisis management steps in place to unpick it. And some crisis management steps are to try and manage it in the first place and protect mm. yourselves from those things happening in your first place so oh, yeah, of course yeah. the biggest way of, of recovering is for it to not happen in the first place
1: yeah.
2: but it depends how it depends how strong the brand is right it depends yes. on the brand is so you know some can get away with it a few times before people go <laughs> like, fa- like facebook right facebook mm. facebook for some people yeah. the last place on earth they'd want to hang out and they would <laughs> never go near it you know trying to bring it down trying to break yeah. it up for some people, it's like whatever. I, I get fun, right? I I, I get right. what I want out of it, and you know they can they can do what they want. I'm I'm meeting yeah. up with my mates. I'm going to events. I'm sharing pictures. You know it works. So it depends where you are on that um, scale of caring about yeah. privacy, um, and it's you know it requires education across the board.
1: Yeah. So I, I guess I have to ask you this, as I'm a small business owner, that this is a question for small business owners. That as a small business owner, could could you share like the top three data analytics or stats uh, that we need to look at to improve our uh, customer experience from a small business point of view? Because obviously our um, data is limited.
2: Yeah. Um, well, I, the, I think the most, well, it's wide, isn't it? Because it depends on the um, on, on the kind of, kind of business. But I, I think engagement, some kind of metrics around engagement are important um, because engagement... Demonstrate, and, and that will be different for for all sort, every every business. So for you, Amber, it might be engagement on your LinkedIn posts, and that's enough. It could be engagement with your content as a whole. It could be engagement on your website if that was your main sort of lead funnel to to people buying from you. Mm. So I think engagement, whatever metric that is for that organization, yeah. I think is is probably the most one of the most important customer experience yeah. um, because it demonstrates that someone's got an interest in what you're doing and they might not want to mm-hmm. purchase straight away, but they've certainly got an interest in, in you as an organization um, and, and they clearly enjoy the experience if they keep coming back. So that level of engagement, I think is an, an important one. Um, clearly the, com- the conversion to, to, to money. So the, the money side um, of customer experience, I think customer experience again, depends on the business you are, but but your customer experience should lead people to wanting to purchase, you know, make a transaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might not be today or tomorrow, it might be next week, next month, next year, but they, they should lead somewhere. So clearly the financial metrics are going to be important. Yeah. Um yes revenue, but actually, you know, net profits and cash um are clearly are clearly the, the other side. Yeah. Um and um so yeah we've got customer, we've got finance and then and then I suppose something something around the kind of product um that, that you sell and understanding the um the, the nature of the product so who yes who's purchasing it if you sell multiple products or services how much penetration do you have you know do people buy one thing or all five things um yeah. do people buy deep in one category or, uh, or or slim across many you know so so understanding your products and and um and the metrics associated with with um how that sort of manifests itself in how you Trade and transact. I think yeah. those, those will be the three areas.
1: Oh, okay, awesome, awesome. All right. So, uh, what tools or innovations are you most excited about for how they can offer brands insight on what uh, their customers like, dislike, uh, or they want?
2: Um, well, I think um, <laughs> I I'm sort of reluctant to say, but I think artificial intelligence in the used in the right way and for the right purpose is very mm. exciting. Mm. Um, AI is often a badge that's put on things that aren't AI. It's often a, it's often a thing that is used when it doesn't need to be used, but when it's deployed, um, for the purpose of improving a metric like, um, customer experience at the top level um, or anything underneath that, um, I think it's super exciting and we're, we're really just sort of scratching the surface of it and we need to be super careful and have the right guardrails in place to make sure it, it works in the right way. Um, but yeah so so ai sort of without without um without a doubt um i think is is something that i'm i'm interested in and excited about um and i think anything that that blends um uh the the sort of overall experience of digital and marketing i think is exciting um and there's some lots of sort of acquisitions happening in this space and coming together of different technologies of convergence that yeah. drive that drive that sort of slightly easier to connect the different data sets, connect the different experiences, connect the different channels. Um, mm. So anything in that space is is pretty cool as well.
1: Mm, awesome. Yeah. A- AI, I mean, I see more and more AI softwares in all different niches, especially in marketing. I, it's it's It seems like every day yeah. there is a new AI software yeah. <clears throat> trying to help you do something Better. Yeah. But then it, everything takes time to understand, right? Because when yeah. something new comes into the market, it takes time for you to understand how this technology works.
2: Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. of course. And uh, yeah, you, you don't want to take AI and find a problem to solve. You want to find a problem to solve and see if <laughs> AI or even or even just the spreadsheet will do the job. So I, yeah. I would look at it that I'd look at it that way around.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, a quick note that this show is sponsored by Repurpose Den, where we help you transform your thought leadership content, be it a podcast, video series, a business blog, or book into online marketing experiences that grows your business, brand, and impact. Because content marketing costs 62% less than outbound marketing and generates about three times as many leads. You'll also find best bits of this show, Repurposed Into short Clips, on my channel. Let me quickly get the link for you, bit.ly forward slash spreading ideas with Amber Khan. And if you need any help with transforming your brand's thought leadership content, then just drop us an email at help at repurposedent.com. All right. It is now the time of the interview for us. And you may be thinking, what, is it gossip time or share the fun pickup lines time? Or tell an embarrassing joke time unfortunately we are not that type of a show well not yet anyway but what it is time for is it's the 48 hour challenge time now jason this is where i ask you to share what is that one thing that our viewers and listeners can implement when it comes to either uh, improving customer experience or analyzing data in the next 48 hours that doesn't cost an arm and a leg or requires a large team to execute it.
0: Cool.
2: Yeah. Tricky one. So um, I, I think that what the challenge I would set um, is going to be something around um, the purpose of doing this stuff. So we've talked quite a lot about you know, using data and customer experience what customer experiences, how you can improve it. Lots of complexity with technology and why people do it. So, I think what's really important, and what I th- what I see um, companies getting really good value from, is just to write down why they're doing what they're doing with data and, and what they want to achieve with their customer experience. So, some kind of vision statement that articulates why why you want to improve the customer experience, um, how you will improve the customer experience, um, and and to what to what end. I think a nice, short, sharp, um, really clear. No jargon statement that that sort of brings that together that you can articulate on the you know um, on the walk to the car or, or or on the end of a quick phone call um, to someone that doesn't understand data or customer experience. I think that that is really uh, uh, that's my challenge. That's the challenge I set. Right.
1: That that sounds nice and sweet, and 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 it's doable within the next years.
2: And, and people can share it on LinkedIn and yeah, oh, yes, tell people yes. about That's
1: it. going to come in. So if where can people tag you if you if you watch this uh, later on and tag Jason when you do uh, complete your challenge, where can uh, people find you?
2: Uh, I'm normally hanging out on um, uh, on LinkedIn. Um, there we so go. if you if you look up, there we go, Jason B Foster. Um, I'm at Jace, Mr. Jason B. Foster on Twitter. Um, you can find the company, um, my company on LinkedIn, Synosure. Um, We've also got a podcast, which I think you mentioned at the start, um, which is hubandspoken.com. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, um, that's where people can find me.
1: Yeah, that's it. Uh, I mean, you will find uh, Jason's podcast, of course, in all podcasting channels like iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere. Um, so just type in hubandspoken. Um, you can, obviously, as Jason suggested, uh, connect with him on LinkedIn, uh, Jason B. Foster, um, uh, or check out his website, com. Well, Jason, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show today uh, and, no, and having making me. this fun.
2: Thanks. Thanks a lot for having me. It's been great. Loved it.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So uh, until next time, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that this year we, we, we could do probably more more lives, more niche on different subjects um, around this. So hopefully we can do some more later on in the year. But for now, toodaloo for now.
0: You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player.